Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. Why, you're so low energy now. It is 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You were just screaming <laughs> half a second ago. I was just screaming then. That's true. I got your energy back. I found it. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> it's in a hole <laughs> with my will to live. Oh, man. You'll be fine, dude. You got Look, I feel like you have your shit more put together than I do. That's called uh, mania from lack of sleep. <laughs> I've been up since 10 a.m. Have you really? Yesterday. <laughs> I've been up since about 3 p.m. I got to wake up uh, in, well, I have to be at a haircut appointment in like eight hours. Dude, you could just go to the dude where I go. Yeah, but I have an appointment with my barber. Oh, you have your own barber? Yeah. Man, you're one of those people? Sorry, yeah. that sounded like I was attacking you for being... N- never mind. I, no. I'm just saying, like, for someone to have their own barber feels like a very... I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I was a very poor child. We didn't have our own barber. We just, like, my mom just cut my hair in my house. I don't own him. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you <laughs> own him. I'm saying, like, did you I, go to is, the same guy? This is my barber on payroll. Uh, that's what it. I don't know. That f- it feels like a fancy person thing. No, that's a really normal thing. First of mm. all, we we've known this person so long. He's kind of like a family friend now. But well, see, that's nice. Also, it's pretty normal to have one person you go to to get your hair done, because they consistently know how you like your hair and they do it the same way every time. That's fair. I think. Well, you know what? As an adult, I think I found my barber. Yeah, basically. Recently. Every, every time you like move cities you probably have to change but yeah yeah generally speaking you find someone who can do your hair well and then if they do your hair well you keep going back to them yeah get better at it look i got a haircut ben can attest this i look this is gonna sound bad i look very homeless a lot because <laughs> i let my beard and my hair get all wild and then i'd like <laughs> just wear whatever half the time I, I was laughing because a lot of the time was an understatement most Bob, of my life Bob. <laughs> Last year, uh, during the winter, because we oh, sometimes no. work outside. Oh no! Found a jacket. I need to stress this. He found a jacket. It's over there. It's right over there. That you can be- see it. <laughs> became a part of his everyday look, in which he would wear this jacket that was multiple sizes too big. Look, for reference, I usually wear an XL. In most things. And how big was this jacket? 7XL. <laughs> he would usually wear it over another jacket because it doesn't zip. Yep. And then he'd wear a beanie. And at the time, Bob's hair was super long. His beard was super under. <laughs> Jacob had me out in the corner holding a sign asking for change. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, my God. Look, I look presentable now, I think. I trimmed my beard. I got a haircut. Yeah, you went to a wedding. I had to go to well, I had to go to two weddings. <laughs> Thankfully, you don't look grungy as fuck anymore. No. Well, You're not like Suicide Junior from Return of the Living Dead. I don't have any lip piercings or eyeball. Well, I kind of actually, I do want a nose piercing. I've talked about this. Not on the podcast. Not on the podcast, just in general. I don't know. I, th- I feel like you're getting a nose like, piercing. Like a nose device. gauge? No. Oh my God, no. <laughs> have you seen those? No, ew. They're wild. That's wild. Ew, gross. Because like, it's usually not on the septum. It's usually on the sides. Really? That's so yeah. weird. Ooh. No, I don't like gauges in general. Like, I don't mind them, but people with, like, super huge gauges, I just don't get it. Like, you're just going to have holes like that in the ears forever. You have to get plastic surgery if you want them gone. Really? See, that's just, like, yeah. expensive. Well, it's not, like, super complex plastic surgery. I mean, yeah. They basically cut off all the excess skin and then sew it together. Oh. Oh. Grody. 
All right. So um, we're doing a normal episode of the board today. Uh, yeah, normal, you know that normal episode because you're listening to this on Friday. Yeah, good for you guys in the future. Good for you in a while. There's no <laughs> confusion. No confusion for you guys. Confusion for mostly me. I get confused so easily nowadays. I well, unrelated. Never mind. I'm gonna stop myself before I say something I shouldn't. So our categories for this season are haunted houses, swamps, and fear the music. Yeah, you did them wildly out of order, but that that works. There's no order. There is an order. It's I guess mine. In your notes. Random yours. Every time. What? Okay. Cool. That's how I read them out every time. That's how they're in my notes. Really? You keep them that organized? Yeah. Holy shit. Maybe I should pay more attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so. I would think. Well, I think you'd figure it out by now. Yeah. So the only category I haven't chosen is haunted houses. Shockingly, Bob's going to choose it today. Well. <laughs> You really had to ruin my thunder. You really just stole my thunder. You do one, two, three every time. No, I don't. Not like one, two, three spot, but like you do every I usually like to category. start the season with doing one episode in every category just to get a taste. I think you should really throw a curveball on one board and just do like one whole category, then the next category. I'll and do then it today. No, I won't. I won't do that. So I'm going to use haunted houses. Okay. Because I'm going to be honest, we have not had... We have taken no L's this season. Every movie has been at least okay. If we're not counting not counting the extra episodes. Because those <laughs> have been bad. Those have been making me angry. Um, Yeah, no, we had Blackwater. Which is okay. I like that movie. Was it was a cool croc movie. And then Studio 666. Which I fucking loved. Which is great. So funny. So good. I've been telling like Cotton for like a week and a half we need to watch it together. I'm like, dude, we gotta watch it. It's so good. Well, that depends on how much you like the Food Fighters. Well, and also bad movies. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. But like, you know, cheesy kind of. It is cheesy. I'll give you that. Anyways, uh, yeah, Haunted Houses. So, I'm going to choose spot three in Haunted Houses. Okay. I'm worried. Because this is the category that I think has the highest chance to fuck me up. Every category has a high chance to fuck me up. That's not true. If we got horror musicals. What if we got swamps and it had sharks? If you give me a swamp shark movie, <laughs> swamp I will shark. blow my noggin off. <laughs> There's underwater sequences, and it's deep underwater in the swamp. How deep is the swamp? It's an ocean. That's a big swamp. <laughs> Curveball. No. Get Just out of here. It's the middle of the ocean. That would be... It's well, a water swamp. What? <laughs> it's a tropical swamp. It's a reverse swamp. It's just a reef. Oh. No. Ooh. I do want to watch that movie at some point. The Reef? I no, that. I meant like a reverse swamp would be like a reef. Yeah, I know. Like... But I'm just I, you said the reef, and I thought of the movie. Okay, um, so spot number three is the haunting. <laughs> what a what a generic ass name. Wow, thanks, Bob. <laughs> well, no, the movie. This is not. Don't be offended for the movie's sake. Don't be offended for the movie. It I defend itself. I feel like I should have at least know what this is. Probably. But I don't. But, yeah, that's not surprising for you. No, it's not, uh, but I'm scared. It's a 1963 movie. Whoa, this is old. We're going way back. Holy crap, this is going to be cool. Description. Is the Hill House haunted? Oh, it's this one. Maybe. Mm. No, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's the one I'm thinking of. Maybe not. I'm going to tell you right now I don't think it is. Okay. Because what are you thinking of? Uh, The Vincent Price one. No. Ah. That's we, different. <laughs> I almost... <laughs> what? I would love to see a Vincent Price movie on this podcast. <laughs> Have we not... talked about that? What? No. Okay. Never mind. I won't Talk, bring it up again. Talked about what? 
Bob, stop doing a visual gag on your audio podcast. I don't know what you're referring to. You're just making, like, monkey faces. We've recorded a movie with Vincent Price in it that is yet to come oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. It will eventually. You think so? Maybe? We've recorded that <laughs> a long time ago. We just have to go back and finish recording the rest of it. Spoiler, guys. We're sitting on a movie. A movie that we recorded a long time ago. <laughs> it was enjoyable. It was a fine movie. I actually liked it. Anyways, um, length, an hour and 52 minutes long. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I, I knew I would do this to myself again. Bob. Every time we record in the morning, I get like two hour long movies. Bob turned to me at work because we were talking about recording. Because he was like, yeah, we have to record today. I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I forgot. And he was like, you know, if I pick a movie today that is like two hours long, I'm going to kill myself. Then I did it again without fail. <laughs> I did it. I oh, I hope I like it. All right. It's rated G. No way. Yes, is this right. going to be the scariest film I've ever seen? <laughs> the PG scale indicates that it might be the scariest film you've ever seen because PG-13 oh scares you. PG-13 scares the pants off me. Now we skip straight the G. I know. PG. I'm scared. I will say, uh, with older films, the rating scale is a little different. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Both in, like, rating stuff, like uh, how they rated, but also, like, lettering and stuff. Yeah. But basically, sometimes films that would be rated, like, an R back in the day... Or rated an R today would be like PG thirteen back in the day, or before they had PG thirteen, just PG. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. Skills gone through quite a few changes over the years. Review scores. Okay. IMDb gave it a seven point four out of ten. That's not bad. Tomato meter, eighty seven percent. Oh man. Okay. Audience right. score, eighty two percent. Look, at least it'll be a f- good movie. Now I will say. When we get to films that are older than the internet, review scores tend to be a little debatable. Okay. Mostly because, like, it's usually people who went out of their way to watch this film That's are fair. then going out of their way to review it. Okay. Um, Especially for these really old ones. Like, it's probably someone watching it because they've heard the film's good or that they'll like it and then reviewing it. Yeah, so there's some bias in whether or not the information we're getting from these websites is totally accurate. That's not always the case because, like, I don't know. There's some films that are, I think, pretty accurate review scores, but it is something to keep in mind because this isn't, like, an at-the-time reaction. Like, if I pulled up the review score for, like, Avatar, The Way of Water, where it's just random people who just watched it in theaters giving (laughs) reviews. All right. uh, It has one win for awards and two nominations. Uh, Notable actors. You ready for this? I'm sure I'm not going to know a single friggin' person. I don't know. You might know one. I might know somebody. Okay. <laughs> I gave Bob a wink. Yeah, it was very... It was over the top, but yeah. Like, yeah, you can't... You wouldn't be able to see it otherwise. <laughs> stop stop <laughs> winking at me like that. I don't like it. <laughs> All right, notable actors. Julie Harris as Eleanor Lance. Uh, she played Abra in East of Eden in 1955. I'm going to give you the years Okay, that would be really Some useful. Some of these movies have been remade. Uh, Claire Bloom as Theodora. She played Hera in Clash of the Titans in 1981. 
Richard Johnson as Dr. John Markway. Uh, he played Dr. Menard in Zombie 2. Oh, okay. I do know somebody. 1979. For anyone who doesn't know, we didn't watch this film on the podcast. We watched it on a Last Drive-In special. Yeah. We should cover that for the podcast at some point. I like that movie a lot. It had shark wrestling. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, Russ Tamblin as Luke Sanderson. Uh, he was Riff in West Side Story. Oh, Have you okay. seen West Side Story? Yeah, I've seen West Side Story. Okay. Musical theater. Come Not on. shocking for you. Yeah. Uh, Faye Compton as Mrs. Sanderson. Uh, she played Amelia in Othello in 1951. By the way, that was the 1961 West Side Story. Like, you know. Yeah. Doji. Uh, Rosalie Crutchley as uh, Mrs. Dudley played Miss Beaumont in Wedding 2 in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral in 1994. No idea. Lois Maxwell as Grace Markway. Uh, she played Miss Moneypenny in basically all the James Bond films coming out in the 60s and 70s. No, I've never seen a single James Bond movie. Oh. Well, basically some of the old James Bond ones. Like Dr. No... I'm in this impasse where I want a gold finger. That's the other one. Okay. I've never, like I said, I've never seen a James Bond movie. I have no idea who these people are or what these movies uh, are about. I know. I d- other than James Bond is a spy. I want you to know I was hesitating there because I was like, my brain was pushing the Austin Powers parody name. Ah, uh, Goldmember. Goldmember. And I was like, yeah. that is not right. You know it's not right. I was like, what appendage is it? And it was like, oh yeah, it's Goldfinger. Um, so she is, if you're if you're wondering who Mrs. Moneypenny is, because it's a girl in a James Bond film who's in multiple, which ah. if you don't know is kind of shocking because like the big thing for James Bond is like he finds a new yeah. lady friend in like each film. Okay. Um, but Miss Moneypenny is like the secretary to um, I believe it's Q. No, I think it's M. Is it isn't isn't Q the guy with the stuff? Or is am I wrong? Am I misremembering? I think M. Is Bond's boss. No, I was thinking of the guy with the tech. Yeah, it's not Q. Is it not Q? No. Basically, I think she's a secretary for Bond's boss. Okay. Uh, and they have, like, depending on, like, what version you're watching, they sometimes have, like, a professional relationship but, like, a weird kind of tension. Mm, okay. Romantically. I, you, I could, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the audience could hear that because I could hear that. Oh, well, nothing comes from it. It's just, like interesting to see because it was a carry-on in those films what <sighs> nothing what was that it was a good it was a i i wanted to make a joke but i stopped myself oh okay well that's not funny well you wouldn't have laughed at the joke ben you can make it anyways well you said nothing comes from it and i said oh yeah they don't i was what i was gonna say it was oh. a cum joke which is why i didn't want to say it because i thought it was crass but ben made me you can cut it <laughs> moving on that's why i do the humor in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Valentine Dial as Mr. Dudley. Uh, he played Jethro Keane in The City of the Dead, 1960. Huh. Diane Clare as Carrie Fredericks. Uh, she played Clarissa Claremont in The Reluctant Debutante in 1958. John Saxton's in that, by the way. Do you know John Saxton? No. You, you Bob, you know John Saxton. Do I? Yes. The name is unfamiliar. Uh, I'm sorry, Bob, Bob Saxon. Why was I putting Bob a T Sa- in there? I still don't know who that is. Bob, you do. I, I you, Clearly, I don't. 
okay, besides being famous, we have seen movies on this podcast with <laughs> John Saxon in them. Who is he? The one you would know, because we've watched it on this podcast, is Lieutenant Ken Fuller from Black Christmas. Ah, yes, I do know that guy. He also plays Lieutenant Thompson on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. Which yeah, I do you've know that seen, guy. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, Nancy Thompson's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Saxon's really famous. Okay. More people than I thought I knew in this movie. He's not in this film, by the way. Oh. He's in this other film that this actor was in. Okay. So I don't know this person for this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. No, he's in the same film as Diana Claire mm. back in 1958. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And finally, uh, Ronald Adam as Eldridge Harper. Uh, he was cl- a club steward in Around the World in 80 Days in 1956. I've never seen that. All right. Yeah, um, there's a couple versions of it, but yeah, it's a good story. I like it. I mean, you know, I like most of his works. All right, uh, directors Robert Wise. You don't know him? No, I don't. Um, like kind of prolific. Okay. I'm gonna list. I got multiple movies because I was like, Bob will know all of these. Really? Well, not all of them. You'll know. I'll know some of them, maybe. You'll like. You'll know most of them. Okay. Uh, The Sound of Music. Oh, we talked about this recently. Directed that. You've seen The Sound of Music, right? Oh, my God, Bob. No. But I know it. That one's disappointing for you because that's... Well, yeah, you're right. It is. That has music in it. Like, that's a musical. I know, but look, I just... I didn't... I didn't... No. Never interested me. Going back and listening to older musicals. But you watched West Side Story, which is another movie. Oh, that's true. I did watch West Side Story. But not by choice. But it's another musical this guy's directed. He directed that one, too? Yeah. God bless. Sound of Music's really good, Bob. You should watch it. I, I'm aware it's really good. It's also very funny sometimes <laughs> in the modern day. <laughs> I I might watch it. Uh, he also directed The Andromeda Strain, which is kind of like a classic sci-fi horror film. Yeah, I've heard of that. And Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, I haven't seen that. But I, I'm aware of it. <laughs> you are aware of what Star Trek is, yes. Well, no, I'm actually, my dad, <laughs> my dad likes to tell a story <laughs> about... When this movie came, when that movie came out, he was like nine years old, and he was so excited to see it, and then he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so mad. All right, the writer's Nelson Gidding. Uh, he also wrote the Andromeda Strain, so they've worked together multiple times. The director and him. Budget is estimated at like roughly one point four million. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah, accounting for inflation, that's quite a good chunk of change. I mean, Robert Wise was a pretty well-established director at this point. I will say it was kind of harder for him to get funding for this film, uh, but he kind of... He, he got it eventually. Uh, Country of Origin, United Kingdom. Oh, it's a British movie. Well, that's where it was made. Okay. But it's like from... It was filmed under uh, MGM. Okay. Metro Goldwyn-Mayer, so... But, like, it was produced in the UK. All right. Uh, it's also known as The Haunting of Hill House, which is like the U.S. alternative title. That's the way I know it. That is not how you know that. You don't know this film, Bob. No, no, no. I But I've heard of this. I've heard that name. No, you're getting confused with the Vincent Price film, which is called The House on Haunted Hill. No, I'm, you're not listening to me. <laughs> the Haunting of Hill House. I'm familiar with the name. I've heard it multiple times. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I have. I'm just <laughs> yeah, totally. What you want the tagline? It's line? a Netflix show, and it's also this movie. Yeah. So I've heard it. You some bitch. You're some bitch. 
Can I have the tagline, please? No. <laughs> well, that's not how this works. <laughs> All right, tagline. You may not believe in ghosts, but you cannot deny terror. Okay, that's fair. I'm scared often. All right, uh, I got one fact for you before the movie. All right. Uno. Ettington Park, which is now uh, Ettington Park uh, Hotel, so I guess it's a hotel now, uh, was used for the exterior shots of this movie. Like, oh. the exterior shots of Hill House, specifically. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's all I got for you. That's all the pre-movie facts. <sighs> okay, I'm going into this with an open mind. An open mind and, and excited excited peepers, because I this is the oldest movie we've watched on the show? Is it? I, I, don't, I don't actually know. I mean, point. what did you say, 63? Yeah, 63. I don't think we've seen anything from the 60s. Maybe 69. I think we saw... The Exorcist from sixty nine. No, that's from. You might be right. You might. It might be nineteen sixty nine. If only there was a way I could backtrack my notes to see these things. Is there? Yeah. Okay. That was a joke. Oh, I thought you were being for real. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. No, I write down the name. Like, I tell you the years these films come out. Of course, I write down the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. The Exorcist was nineteen seventy three. Seventy three. What the fuck did we watch from 69? That seems familiar for some reason. Maybe we didn't. Maybe I'm losing my marbles. But oldest film we've seen. It's so old, in fact, that it's a rated G horror movie. Spooky. And I'm super interested to see what sort of tropes that I'll be able to recognize from future, like, haunted house or haunt-style movies. You know what I mean? I'm really... Like, further down the the category? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, I'm glad that we're getting this as a basis at the start because I don't watch movies. So watching something old will give me, you know, a feeling for what I'll see later. At least I hope. Okay, well, uh, on that note, we have to go watch this two-hour movie. So yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back in a bit. We'll see you guys after the movie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Haunting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Okay. You seemed upset for a second. What are your thoughts, Benjamin, before I start spieling? Because I got a lot to say. I don't know. Um, I don't think I have much to say about them. this movie that like isn't very obvious. Um, mm. It's... Straight up, just a classic haunted house movie. Yeah, and it's very reminiscent of like classic gothic horror. Uh, yeah, very into suspense rather than like overt horror. Yeah, I I can see that. I totally agree with you. With on that a one. primary focus on almost the psychological rather than the supernatural. Yeah, and outside of that though, I it, it you get what you came for. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like it presents itself as what it is. And it does a very good job at that. I mean, that's basically kind of my sum up there. Yeah. I just wanted to know what you thought before I started talking about it. Because I have a lot to say. And I'm sure we're going to cover it all as we go. Yeah. But I was afraid I wasn't going to like it because it's an old movie. Yeah, it's probably the oldest movie you've ever watched. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um. Then we started and it's in black and white. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a black and white film. Wait, really? Other than Tetsuo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. And, but that was... Different. It's different, because this was a, made during a period which black and white was common. Tetsuo was made during a period which black and white was still common, but it was most things were in color. But it was also an art film, which is yeah. slightly different. Yeah, yeah. 
man, I re- I like this movie way more than I expected. Like, it's so fucking cool. It's such an interesting movie. To me, at least. Like, you would think there's really not a lot to go on with. It's a classic haunted house movie. And the one of the coolest things I think is... I guess this is kind of a spoiler. Not really, though. You don't see anything. No, yeah, that that is a trope, I think, in like a lot of classic haunted house movies. Where it's this idea that it's the implied horror. Yeah. It's terror. It's not horror. It's terror, Mm -hmm. which is basically the fear of what is unseen. Gets me good. It gets me good. It's so fucking cool. I'll also put this out there. I said something was making me... I thought something weird when we started this movie. I figured it out. Uh, uh, What Bob's talking about is we started the movie and he was like, something's off. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? This is going to sound bad. The way this movie is acted is so different. Yes. From any piece of modern media that I've ever consumed. Uh, that's, I think, probably going into this, I really love uh, old like black and white films. I think they're a lot of fun because they're so removed from modern media yeah. in a way that's just, it's hard to put your finger on. And it's not all black and white films. It's not even all old films. It's There's like, I, I don't want to say there's a specific culture, but it's a very specific style that came out of this time period. And you can always tell when a, a director still leaning into it like this one. Uh, I think the most obvious thing is that you mentioned during the film without any like goading for me was the transatlantic yeah. accent, which is like a really mm-hmm. big thing back in the day because it's a fake accent made for like radio and TV. <laughs> no one talks like that. Not a single person. No, but it's really cool. It's super cool. What What I have to say about the acting is it's really, really, really good. But it's so, like, it's almost alien to anything I've seen in a movie that's made, pat- like, in the 80s or anything like, like that. You know what I mean? What do you mean specifically? It's it's almost as if they were acting for a theater show. They're almost overacting, mm-hmm. but in the smallest ways possible. It's so, it, it's so hard for me to put my finger on, but it's like, you know how in, like, old-style, like, stage shows you'd have to overact so the audience could see your emotions it's like that but toned down in the right way it's more subtle so it's like yeah. big motions but it's still the overacting yes okay. and it's so fucking cool i mean that's a that's a cool way to hear it described because like when you talk about uh the different style of acting i'm aware of it but mm-hmm. i don't have the background in stage to yeah be super good at pointing it out it it and it's so minute too and you can tell with, like, every single character's, like, it, it makes every emotion they're feeling feel almost as if it's spelled out for you, but it's not because they're not overacting. It's so, it's so weird to me, and I like it a lot. It's super <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I don't know, man. I Just coming from a theater background, I'm just like, oh, my God. Well, it, it might be one of those things where you have to remember that film obviously developed from theater. Yeah, uh, and we you haven't watched anything super old, Mm-mm. but I think I've talked about it with you before. Is that really really old films? They didn't understand how to do like that that difference between like film and theater, and so when you go really old, they do some weird theater stuff in film that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, the the one I always go to is like instead of zooming in and do close ups, they do like a cut shot, and then it'd be like yeah like yeah. A, yeah. A very over-the-top freeze frame. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, like, the perfect mix between the modern 
how do I put this? Naturalistic style? Yeah, and the overacted style of early film. I'd say naturalistic and artificial style yeah. of acting. And it's so fucking rad. I- I'm glad you liked that. Oh. And that's an interesting takeaway, because, like... It's... It scratches every itch my brain loves. <laughs> like, it's <gasps> so fucking cool, man. I don't know, I just... I really like this film. It, uh, I think it's going to allow me to appreciate a lot of other horror films. Because now I have, like, sort of a background in this style that I didn't have before. We'll see. I think it's a really cool movie. But we should move on. <laughs> uh, on a similar note, not similar, but how did you like watching, like, an actual spe- like an actual suspense film? Oh, because it's so cool. That's what this was. So good. Um, slight spoilers for the outtakes here. So for the whole film, it's, like, super suspenseful. And I, I don't know, were you feeling kind of, like, tight in the chest? Did, like you, you're not, kind did of- you not see me sitting over here at the mic like, like, I'm kind of on the edge of your seat, yeah, though. Yeah, man. It's cool. Because even though it's a really slow movie, like, objectively, it's kind of boring. But yeah. they, they do a lot to maintain, like, a gradual crescendo and, like, mm-hmm. anxiety. And so we get to a scene, and there's a scare. Like, not even a scare. There's a quick shot of something, and you actually got scared. It scared the piss out of me, dude. I have not been scared like that in a long time on this show. And you're like, what happened? And I was like, yeah, that's that's what a suspense film can do. It builds you up, like, the entire film. So cool. And then you're so tense that it's finally a relief, but it, mm-hmm. all that tension leaves you really fast. It, it's such a good moment, too. And it, it's such a cool thing, because we don't get that too much anymore in, like, modern horror movies. No, I want more of it. like, it takes a lot of patience to build up to that, and both, I think, a lot of directors, but also modern audiences don't have that yeah. patience. Oh, I do. Um and if you do anything, like, we've talked about jump scares, but that's basically what they are. They, they relieve that tension. Yeah. <sighs> All right. On that note. Can I bring up something before we move on? Yeah. I was going to describe the film, but yeah, go ahead. No, no. I just want to say this before we start describing the film. I bitched at the start of this. This movie is an hour and 58 minutes long or whatever. Yeah, it's super long. Two hours. Didn't feel like two hours. Watching it for the first time, I did not feel like it dragged at all, actually. I think it's so well paced out. Because just when you think you're at a point where it's like, okay, they're going to wrap it up. Like something, you know, something's going to happen. They just add and throw a wrench into it and give you a reason to keep watching. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'm going to disagree with you. It is paced super well. Yeah. Like it feels like it should be as slow and as fast as it is. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's something weirdly, I don't know what the word is here, uh, meandering about the film. Yeah. That it feels like it stretches on forever in the sense that, like, both nothing and everything's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To the point where I feel like if they really wanted to, this film could have stretched on even longer. For sure. still would have fit. I mean, when we hit the credits, I thought I was like, well, they could have done more. Yeah. And I would have kept watching. Because it just, it fits the tone of just meandering, going back and forth between something happening and something not. And so, yeah, the, the, it really earns that time. For sure. However, I, I will say... I could tell, like, how much time was passing, but that's just because, like, I'm more used to that. Fair enough. Because it is long. It's long, but it's, it's not one of those movies where I go, I want this to end. There's no nothing, I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. Everything is something, but it is also nothing. Yeah. Which is interesting. Okay. Uh, do now you, you can describe the film. Anything else? No. But you liked it, though, right? I, yeah, I really like this movie. Okay. Man. This is one of those ones where I'm like, man, I wish I'd seen this a lot earlier in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess I'm gonna do a rough 
description of the plot here. Sure. Uh, basically, the film starts off with a narrated backstory about Hill House. What's his name? Dr. Markway. Markway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for always remembering names. I'm good with names. I don't know why. Dr. Markway is one of the characters. He's the doctor. Yeah. Uh, but it's him doing the narrator voice, and he's describing basically all the bad things that happened in Hill House, very specifically the deaths. There's what? Five? Bob's counting. Yeah, five. Yeah. Five. You're right. And it's implied that, like, outside of the deaths, some other unpleasantness has happened in the house. But long story short, Dr. Markway is like, this is the perfect place to really see if the supernatural is real. Because that's, yeah. that's his thing. He's really into the supernatural, but he, he's a doctor. He's an anthropologist, so he wants to be able to be like, scientific about it. Uh, so his plan is to gather a bunch of people who he thinks have been like touched by the supernatural, and he's gone through a bunch of different sources to get as well-verified people as he can for this. And he's invited six people to come. Yeah. And then also the nephew of the woman who owns the building. Because she doesn't... She basically wants someone to watch him. Make sure he isn't doing stupid. Canoodling. Yeah. And yeah, so he sends out invites, and everyone's going to come. And then it cuts to who is essentially the main character of the film, Eleanor. And from that point on, it's Eleanor coming to the house. And then all their experiences at the house. That's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The big thing I'll mention here, though, is that the character of Eleanor is portrayed in such a way that it's, like, left unclear whether or not she's, like, all right in the head. Yeah, I I got that vibe a lot of this movie is very heavily implying that everything that is happening could not be supernatural. And Eleanor could just be a mentally ill person. Yeah, I mean, I think there's elements that lean more heavily into the supernatural part. Sure. Uh, But the film is shot in such a way that, like, there's elements that can be interpreted as, like... Scientific as just psychosis, and then yep. some elements are just blatant supernatural. Yeah, and I I like it a lot. And it's, it's a cool way to do it. Way, way, way back on the board uh, when we watched, uh, what was that courtroom movie? Uh, the Exorcism of, of Emily Rose. Emily Rose. Yeah, uh, good movie. It did a similar thing where it does an angle where it's uh, supernatural and one where it's not. And this film does a, a lot more nuanced version of that. Yeah, and uh, I really it, like it. It's very good. And so that's kind of like the backbone to the whole film is, yes, the characters are exposed to, like, supernatural elements in the house as they're basically exploring whether or not the house is haunted. But we as the audience get to see it through the lens of this character who might not be the most reliable. Reliable narrator, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. All right. Well, uh, that's kind of the plot. I'd highly recommend you go watch it if that sounds interesting. Go check this out. It's definitely a slow film and it's definitely old so you do have to be prepared for that but if if you are interested and that sounds like something interesting to you mm-hmm. or even just something you could sit through it's definitely worth a watch i think all right um i got some cool facts and i think we can use those as some talking off points okay unless you have something specific you want to talk about first okay i got one thing yeah i love the group of characters in this movie it's such a well thought out like cast of characters it's essentially only four people the entire film. Yeah, There's Dr. Markway. Who is essentially the old man of the group. He, in he's character like in his 40, but 40. He's in his 40s. You yeah. can tell I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah. But like, he, in, if you think of any like classic group of adventurers. He's the or, professor. He's the professor type. Yeah. Which is great. You have that kind of character. You have Eleanor. 
Eleanor, who I think is, I'm trying to think of how best to describe how she fits. Sort of the, I guess, the, the main character, the protagonist. The troubled lead. The troubled lead, yeah. Who I think is a very big archetype in a lot of media. You have Theodora. Theo, Theo, who is... Yeah, they just call her Theo. The psychic. Yeah. The psychic and or the supernatural lady. The girl. I don't know, I don't know how else to describe her, but the, like she fits that archetype of like... The confident woman. Yeah. And then you have Luke, the bumbling... The bumbling <laughs> businessman. And I just... I love the way this cast of characters is thought out and put together because they bounce off of each other super well. Yeah, in very unique ways. And yeah. to be honest, most of the film is just them bouncing off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, like, both good writing and good acting. For sure. Like, I think a lot of the scenes with Luke and Markway are so fucking funny. Because Luke is a... Luke's a skeptic. Yeah. And Markway, he's skeptical, but he's a believer. Yeah. And so they're basically constantly fighting. And it's Luke so is a smarmy asshole. Yeah. And Bob started the film is like, I hate him. And by the end, he's like, he sucks, but he's really funny. He's <laughs> I love so him. funny. Every time he's there's a there's a part in the movie where where Mark was like, it's really cold here, and Luke's like, it must be a draft. And Mark goes, a draft with all the doors closed themselves, <laughs> and Luke's like, motherfucker. Well, he's like, there must be a hole in the floor, and he's like, yeah, floor solid. <laughs> so good, it's so funny. And I also enjoy Eleanor and uh, Theo's like bouncing on each other too. Yeah, I there's definitely a. Um, a symmetry there, because the two mm-hmm. guys have chemistry where they bounce off one another, and then the two girls have chemistry where they bounce off one another. I, I do think it is worth noting here that, uh, very specifically, it's heavily implied that Theodore's written as like uh, a lesbian character. Oh, for sure. I called it. I went, there's some sexual tension so here that I can the sense. bouncing off there is very different than the bouncing off between Markway and Luke. Yeah. Because there's some sens- sexual tension, especially on Theo's side. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you noticed... That was a whole nother uh, aspect to the character interactions where she would get nasty. Yeah. Whenever Eleanor was like talking to uh, Markway. Markway. Yeah. I noticed it. Which was super interesting because it added a lot of tension to the whole There's film. There's so much character drama within this film that is not needed but very appreciated when you look at it from that perspective. Especially because it all heightens not only the tension but the character's emotions in a way that can forward that idea that maybe something going on isn't supernatural. Yeah, super cool. All right, anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Let's get into some post-movie facts. Now, uh, before I get into uh, some movie facts, mm-hmm. I want to mention this. First of all, this film is based on a book. I saw that in the opening credits. Yep, it is based on Shirley Jackson's 1959 novel, the Haunting of Hill House. I want to read it now. That's why it's the alternate name of this. Basically, uh, Giddings and Wise, so the director, well, the writer and the director, didn't really like that name. And huh. they kind of wanted to find something else. So they talked to Shirley Jackson before producing the film. Like, they kind of had a script, but they talked to her some as, like, a consultant. And they were like, hey, what's, like, an alternate name you had for the book? Was there any? Like, before you decided on The Haunting of Hill House. And she was like, well, I thought about The Haunting. So that's what they went with. That's cool that they asked the author and were, like, trying to use alternate names that she had chosen. I mean, asking the author about their book isn't uncommon. No, but it's nice to have that forethought. Not everyone does it. Yeah. And so it's always good when you see that. With that being said, do you know Shirley Jackson as a writer? No, not at all. So 
she's one of those really interesting authors where she's really famous for <laughs> one of like her earliest stories. Oh. And so she, from what I've heard about her, is she always struggled because she wrote one story that was much more famous than all of her other stories super early on in her career. And people would always come up and be like, oh, you wrote this story. And she'd be like, I mean, yeah, but I also wrote these stuff. Mm, that sucks. And that's kind of sucky. The story she wrote wasn't The Haunting of Hill House. That's not like a really famous story. Uh, her really famous story is a short story. So not even a novel. It's a short story. It was published on June 26, uh, 1948 in The New Yorker. Oh, um, okay. It's pretty good for her. It's called The Lottery. Are you familiar with The Lottery? No, actually. Okay. Uh, you will be probably familiar with the trope of it. But basically, it's this really famous story where this town is getting together and they're doing a lottery. Like, they're drawing from the box mm-hmm. and to see who's the winner. And they're doing the draws. And spoilers for the, the lottery here. Very famous short story. Uh, they do a draw, and the person who wins gets stoned to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sucks. That's it. That's the whole story. Huh. They do it, like, every year. Okay. I wasn't expecting that to a turn of events, but that's that's fine. Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a really well written story, and it, it's it's really cool because it's written in such a way that like you don't really know what they're talking about until the very end. See, that's really like, cool. He, the characters refer to the lottery like it's the thing they all know, like what they're talking about. Yeah, but like the lottery is also just like a general term. Uh huh. So you don't know like what they're drawing for. That's really cool. Really cool. Would highly recommend. Uh, before I sp- just spoiled it, but you can still read it. That's Shirley Jackson. Uh, now, what I do want to mention now is because this was a book, there is, like, multiple adaptations of this. Mm-hmm. So, for this, for the book, there's another film adaptation. Oh, really? Yeah. So, it came out in 1999. Oh, shit. It's and new. Well, newer. Newer. It's still 20 years it's ago. It's also called The Haunting. So, it's kind of just a remake of this movie. Okay. I say, rather than a adaptation of the book. Hmm. I wonder if the remake will be as good. I doubt it. Additionally, there is also a miniseries based on the haunting movie. It's called. Whoa. It came out in 2002. It's called Rose Red by Stephen King. Oh. Uh, it's very, very, very loosely based on the haunting. Okay. Like very loosely. And then, as Bob was talking about kind of at the beginning of the film, because he was like, wait a second, uh, there's also a Netflix miniseries uh, called The Haunting. The Haunting of Hill House is what it's called. The Haunting of Hill House, which is assumedly based on the book. It better. I bet you it is based on the book, actually. Yeah, because there were. I mean, there were only a couple of similarities from that miniseries to the movie. Not that it ruined my experience, but I saw some stuff coming because I went, "Oh, that happened in the show." Now, uh, from what I've heard, uh, because I haven't read the book, so I don't know, but I do know out of the two films, this one is generally considered the more faithful adaptation. Okay. Compared to the nineteen ninety. Nine one. Well, then the miniseries. The thing with the mini, the Netflix series is it's based in the modern day. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how accurate the the Netflix series is. Yeah. Or if it just takes inspiration. It's definitely just taking inspiration, but but it, it is good to bring up. If you're a fan of horror in general, highly recommend that series. Super good. I would maybe recommend watching this first. Uh maybe honestly, not as approachable. I don't think you need to. No, you don't need to. But like, I think this is probably a better piece of media even if it's slightly less approachable i think if you're a, the thing is this i don't know if i would say that because i'll <sighs> be honest i know some people probably wouldn't like this movie well that's why i said approachability is a issue yeah 
but, but if it's your thing, I'd watch this one first. Yeah, a fan of a fan of modern horror, the show, for sure. Fair. It's it's very much a modern horror TV show. I know. I, I was just more saying that like when you have two properties that kind of well, if you have two pieces of media that are based on the same property, yeah, choose the one that's objectively better. Fair enough. I think this one's probably objectively better. Not yeah. for everyone, but like this is super well done. It's such a good movie. So well done. So good. All right, but that's the way. We can get into some actual, some actual movie facts. <laughs> so Giddings, the writer, you know, he read the book, and his kind of takeaway from the book was that uh, the story was more based on the idea of like a mental breakdown ah. rather than a haunted house. And I see. Eventually, when he talked to um, Jackson, so the the novel's author, mm-hmm. she was like, "Nah, it's a supernatural story," and so. When he was writing the script, he did write in, like, explicitly supernatural stuff. Yeah. But he kept that mental breakdown stuff, which is why the film leaves that kind of... The gray that I really like. The gray, yeah. I will say, I think definitely supernatural. Yeah. 100% supernatural stuff going on. But... But how much of it is supernatural is the question. Exactly. How much of it? So I think that's kind of a good thing to discuss, because that is in there on purpose. I like I I would say I much prefer it leaving it gray like that. Like if it had just been straight up, yeah, it's definitely a hundred percent a ghost all the time. Not as good. Not as good. Uh, next thing, uh, the interior sets. So let's talk about those really quick. So super fucking well cool. done. So cool. I think the most impressive part was not only the detail put it into the, like the architecture on them because those things look classy. Like oh of, yeah, not gothic, but do you know what uh, style that is? No idea. I don't know. Super nice looking. It's so cool though. But they decorated each of the sets extensively, like china it's and mirrors, decorated. over the top. But it's amazing. And you know what? One of my coolest, one of the coolest parts about it is this thing, this house full of mirrors everywhere. They use that in every opportunity possible mm-hmm. in this film, and it's so fucking cool. Yeah, we can just mention this now. One of I think the better scenes in the the film, and it's something I don't really see a lot, is their. They're at the dining table, and they're filming very explicitly Luke yeah, and Markway. Markway. I keep wanting to say McCarthy. Nope. But that is a— That's a dude from, uh, oh, God. Dreamcatcher. Which is a dude from? Uh, Heart, of Dark- Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness. I don't yeah. know why I said the thing. That was McCready. That, that, yeah, that's McCready. But, no, it's, it's Luke and uh, Markway. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> You're going to forget again. I'm really bad with names. But yeah, Luke and Markway are discussing like right next to each other, so they're yeah. facing each other, and so the camera's explicitly recording them. But there's a big mirror behind them that is angled in such a way that we can see off screen. Yeah, Theo and now so Eleanor. It's just really cool. It's super cool. They and do they, that a ton. They use mirrors like that throughout the movie, and you always so. The thing that's really cool about it for me is coming from someone who has seen a lot of more modern horror movies. I'm always expecting something in the mirror, and there's never anything there. No. Never. Except a reflection. Yeah. And it's so, I don't know, refreshing to not be scared like that. I think it's just more interesting to, instead of use a mirror as like a prop for the horror, you Using... use it as a way to manipulate the scene. Yeah. Like, uh, the one I described, they're using the mirror to show more than they normally would be able to while still focusing on yep. the characters who are talking. Uh, there's also a really, really cool scene where Nell's running down the hallway at a mirror, and they're filming the mirror, and so 
Nell runs into the mirror and she's startled because mm-hmm. she wasn't expecting it. And you with you as the audience aren't expecting it. Yep. Because you were looking at the mirror. Yeah. And it's just a it's a cool way to manipulate view and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because like that's what mirrors are for. But most modern horror doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh the film also uses and this is another part of the set that's really cool, uh, shadow really well. Oh man. Uh which is using shadow in a film is always very hard. Yeah. Because it involves you manipulating lights in relation to where the camera is. And it's just a really hard thing to do and yeah. do well. And this film does it all the time. Yeah, and it's super cool. And I think it's even more interesting because this is a black and white film. Yeah, actually, I will say using a doing a black and white film, it's sometimes easier to manipulate light and shadow because shadows pop so well yeah and that's what i think makes the shadows in this look so good and be and so useful also like you have you can brighten things up a lot more than you could in like a color film yeah because you don't have to worry about oversaturation so you know that helps but the shadow's so good i pointed at one part where they walk through like there's some hanging like ropes in front of a door yeah and they specifically walk through the door and then the camera like angles upwards mm-hmm and they've now backlit the door, and so those hanging things are now on the ceiling as shadows. Yep. Really cool. Super cool. They also do a lot of really cool, like, shadow fades, basically, where mm-hmm. something will be in the foreground, and shadows will take everything out of the background, but it's still there. Yeah. They Super just cool. Darkened it. Yeah. Uh, what's another thing they did with this setting that's really cool? Statues, man. Statues are everywhere. The statues are so cool. Really cool. Creepy. Creepy. And thematically relevant, depending on the scene. Yep. Lots of vaguely religious references with them, too. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, like horn statues and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, I think what we want to mention is probably one of the coolest set pieces. There was a spiral staircase. Oh, so cool. And it's not only cool because it's a spiral staircase, and those are just rad to begin with. They are pretty cool. Uh, But because it's a prop that was meant to move... Yeah. Because it's supposed to be a rickety spiral staircase. And we were discussing it during the movie. But I think what they did is they ran a rope down from the ceiling and then put a bunch of, like, pieces that roughly fit together. So, like, it was a stair mm-hmm. and then some railing. Yeah. And when they stack on top of each other on the rope, they look like one solid piece. But when you walk on it, it wobbles. Yeah. Really, really cool. Super cool. stuff cool. like that. And that's, like, all the stuff about the set that's really, really obvious. Mm-hmm. But there's one really, really cool thing about these sets that's, like, not super obvious, but was, I think, probably instrumental in how this film turned out. Uh, and it's just a super unique set choice design. Because keep in mind, all these sets are built. Like, this is not the inside of the place they film. These are yeah. on a stage somewhere. Um, and so the most unique thing they did, and tell me if you notice, but... These sets included ceilings. Yeah. That's not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, most sets on, like, a soundstage don't have them. Because it, you're normally not shooting the ceiling in frame. You're usually not shooting the ceiling in frame. And also, it's expensive to put a ceiling on stuff. Well, that too. But, you know, the big one's lighting. Because usually you have top-down lights. Yeah. To make it look more naturalistic. Um, but there's one other thing that you leave ceilings off for. And that is a sense of openness. Because, you know, it makes a up and down, everything looks bigger. Yeah. Because there's no ceiling. Uh, but they decided to put ceilings in in this film to make everything look more claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you got that feeling. Oh, I did. We described the thing with like the ropes hanging down and the shadow kind of looks like fingers kind of mm-hmm. crawling up the wall. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Almost clasping them. Clasping around the people. Just a great thing. A little attention to detail there, but it really helps with that uh, tension building throughout the film. Yeah, because I think one of my favorite parts is that leads, at least leads to claustrophobia, is the stuff in the hallways. Because the hallways feel so long and dark yeah. because they're ceilings. That's another thing they tried to do is they tried to make the hallways look like super, super long. Mm-hmm. And when you add like ceilings to that uh, with that kind of like, not necessarily optical illusion, but focus on the foreground. Yeah. It kind of feels like the ceiling's collapsing on everyone. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Great. All right. Moving on. So Wise, the director, like I said, had some trouble like with funding. Yeah. Just because, obviously, it's hard to find funds for a film. And he eventually got funds through MGM because he had a pre-existing contract with them. Right. Basically, he had a contract that said, you have to make a film for us. And he pitched The Haunting. And so they gave him the money for it. What's really interesting about this contract is the contract said the film had to be black and white, which is part of the reason it's in black and white. Huh. Now, Wise prefers black and white for the medium of like horror, so he was totally on board for that. But I think it's interesting to note that part of the reason this is like black and white is not just directorial choice. Okay. I'll put this out there now. I don't think this would have worked in color. It would have been a very different film. Very different movie. Black and white lended itself so well to the way they were... Like, the gothic nature of the house itself. Yeah. And all the set designs. And also, a lot of the statues are white marble statues, so they pop in black and white. Oh, yeah. Against the dark shadows of the house. So it looks so fucking cool. And I, I don't know if this was a thing you noticed after watching for a while, but it's it's always my favorite part of black and white films, is that once you get used to them, you're able to, like, distinguish color mm-hmm. in grayscale. Yeah. It's really cool. It's very cool. It grows on you. I, I love black and white. It's such a cool stylistic thing. Kind of in the same vein, uh, the opening shots with the house, really weird, right? Where it's all black like that? Yeah. So from what I could find, and I think it's specifically those shots, they used infrared film stock to do those. Whoa. They got it, like, shipped out of the country. Oh. Uh, huh. Because it's not very common. But, yeah, that's what gives it that, like, kind of monstrous look. I was like about to say, it's a big it black shape. Very, very dark opening. Yeah. Very, really, really big. cool shot. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. Uh, but I believe that's how that's done. Uh, they also used some other things to make this film look kind of cool. Wise for... He he really wanted a... and I'm, I'm quoting here, like an anamorphic wide-angle lens for this film. Dude, I noticed that. If he did it. Yeah, kind of those wide shots. Yeah, it looked like a... um Oh, God, like all those shitty YouTube bloggers who have like the fisheye lens. Yeah, was, kind of. Yeah, it looked like that. He just wanted really, really wide shots. To I kind noticed of help that. With everything, uh, it, it you know it kind of it compresses the compresses top down, but then down. widens it, and it makes it feel again more claustrophobic. Yeah, really, really works for this film. It also captures like how big rooms are. Yeah, like when Eleanor burst through the those doors at one point, and it was like a fisheye shot where it was like sh- compressed and then wide. Yeah, super dope. And you know he was like looking for a lens from uh, Panavision who helped with this film. And they only had a 40-millimeter lens. He wanted a 30-millimeter. And ah. they had a 30-millimeter. But very interestingly, it was essentially a prototype. And so, <laughs> this like very notably, 
Panavision was not like okay with giving him this lens. Oh no. Because it was imperfect and it had like flaws in the lens. Mm, um, I see. And so he has like gone on statement saying like if there's any flaws in the film and distortion. It's the lens. It's the lens, but it's not Panavision's fault. <laughs> which I think is very funny. It's funny. I didn't um, notice any flaws or anything. It looked fine. But did you notice any distortions? No. I think I noticed maybe a little sometimes. Really? But they I like them. <laughs> I like they, they add they add character. They add character in a, a fun way for this film. Yeah. I just thought that was cool. Very cool. Um, I thought those some of those scenes looked a little funny, and I didn't know what they did. Nice to know it was just the lens. But it's a cool effect. It's zoop, super way. cool. Next thing to mention is stuff about actors. So the actor who plays Eleanor is Julie Harris. And one of the really notable things I could find about this film is her actor was actually, like, super depressed during filming. Like, very noticeably. Huh. Just a, just a fun comment right there. I wonder why. Probably mental health issues. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me. No, like... Oh, okay, you don't just, have an answer? She just suffered dur- with, like, depression during the filming. Oh, which, that sucks. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think there were some issues with, like, she wouldn't um, communicate with uh, the other actors as much. Mm. And kind of stay in her, like, makeup room and stuff like that. But that is important to note because it can add to the acting quality if you're not, like, super friendly with everyone. Yeah. Uh, another thing to mention between the actors, and this is something where you don't really notice at first, but I'm going to tell you and you're probably going to be like, oh, yeah. Um, so Wise, as a, like, directorial choice uh, to increase, like, the conflict, specifically had the actors step on each other's lines. I don't know if you remember, but s- during some of, the, like, the really heightened scenes, one of the characters would start talking and then the other one would, like, start yelling over them. Mm, I thought that that was on purpose. It is on purpose. It was on purpose, but, like, that's, I guess I didn't really think about it. That's not how the script's written, obviously. Yeah. And he was just like, okay, start yelling over each other like you actually would. Yeah, and it works. Yeah. Huh. I didn't really catch it, but now that you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I just thought that that was the way they were directed to do it, and it was. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It, it's more the fact that, like, you have to specifically tell your actors to act like that. Yeah. And so to tell your actors to do that is just attention to detail mm-hmm. in a very unique way. This movie's full of attention to detail. All right, next thing about the actors, and this is probably one of the most unique ones I got. This film was pre-scored. Whoa, what? So Wise recorded, so in the film, there's ghosts making noise. Yeah. They did all those noises before the movie was shot, and then they played those noises while filming. So that the actors could give, like, more realistic uh, reactions to what they were hearing. Whoa, that's cool. So instead of having, like, reactors reacting to no sound. Yeah. Because sound's happening, you know, offset. Mm-hmm. They played sound offset and had them react to it. Whoa, so you're telling me that whole scene with all the noises coming from the thing? That's all, like, real? Yeah, so they did, well, they pre-recorded it. Yeah, yeah, I know, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they played it there. The actor reacts to it. Whoa! And they filmed it like that, and then in post they touched up the sound. That's rad as fuck. That's actually really cool. So not all of the sound we're hearing in the movie is that pre-scored sound. Okay. But they did play basically the same thing. It's a really weird way to do it, but super cool. Yeah. And smart, too. Yeah. Like, probably a good way to get <laughs> reactions the way you want them. For sure. That's real dope. Yeah. All right. Uh, last fact I got. 
and this is kind of a <laughs> one that I think you'll kind of agree with and then also be like, oh. So when this film came out, not great reception. Ugh. It was kind of middling. Okay. Like, people were like, I mean, it's good, but it's kind of nothing. Mm, maybe. Okay. But not nothing as in nothing happened, but nothing as in no substance. I don't know. I thought there was substance, but maybe I'm reading into it too hard. <laughs> well, hear me out. That's what people thought when it first came out. Uh, since then, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, one of the scariest movies of all time. Like, super great. Yeah, it's a great Including movie. Including a bunch of, like, super famous directors directors and stuff like that yeah i really like this movie it's awesome lots of people really really like it which is why i threw it under the haunted house category because yeah. it was like the classic haunted house movie we've talked about that before on the podcast uh but also super famous lots of people love it so yeah thought that'd be a, a fun thing to add i think if i had watched this when it came out i would probably go that movie's boring as shit <laughs> and now, now no that if it, you watched this when this came out you would have pissed your pants <laughs> well that's fair it really you, like almost got legitimately me. yelled. At I the yelled. End. It scared. It actually scared me. I've not. I've said this. I've not been that scared in a long time. Like this is the yeah. This fucking scared me. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I think we covered a lot of stuff there. We got a lot out of this one. No, I don't think there's anything else I want to talk about. All right. I think I talked about everything I wanted to. I guess we'll go through the outtakes. I don't know how many. No, we well, have. Well, you sure skip it a bit. Oh yeah, we do have to review it. Yeah. All right, uh, recommendations, Bob. Recommend this if you're into old film. Old films. Older films. I won't say old. Yeah, it's not that old. It's not that old, but like... It's only from like 60 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> if you're into black and white films, this I think this is one of those movies where black and white is a huge benefit to the film. If you're into horror and you haven't seen this, this is like the haunted house movie, in my opinion, that I've seen. <laughs> Bob's only seen one, but it's this, this is it. This is it. Like, no, but I mean like... There are so many things in this movie that I go, oh, that's a trope in X other haunted house movie that I no, know. No, yeah, this was a good introduction. It's a very, very good starter pack. It also, I think it's if you're into old movies, it's super approachable. Even if you're not into old movies, I still think it's pretty approachable. Because yeah. It, the only thing that might uh, scare off most modern audiences is pacing. Yeah. If you have to have patience, mm-hmm. and if you don't have patience, and you need like constant stimulation in your movies, yeah, definitely not for you. Fair enough. Ashley would hate this film. <laughs> I say that a lot on this podcast, but I know she would. That's one of our friends. Well, if they, they, she was in like episode three or something. Yeah, if you're a fan of horror, check this out. It's a very, very cool movie. If you're a fan of a suspense films, very cool suspense film, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I All think right. that's everything I got. I think my biggest recommendation here is going to be if you're a fan of like classic cinema. Uh, this is a film from the 60s, but it definitely feels like in the vein of something from the 40s or the 50s closer to like style okay i mean uh like there was like this kind of old school like black and white film wasn't necessarily the most common thing at the time period like you know hitchcock was still alive and he was still producing his films but that's kind of from that older style because they're older directors you know like i was talking about a james bond film came out right around the same time yes this is very much not james bond very much not that Long story short, if you want like an older feeling kind of horror film, or just film in general, this is probably a, a good one. Feels pretty classic. They're still doing the transatlantic. It feels so classic. Accent, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, if you want a black and white film, same thing. Check it out. Pretty good. It really helps this movie. 
be very different in color in a weird way. Yeah. I'd be interesting. I'd be interested in seeing it in color though, just because that's kind of fun. Yeah. If like there's the Blu-ray version and they have the restored color. I mean, I'd watch it. I would definitely probably enjoy myself. It would just be a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Besides, like you know, classic film stuff. If you're into suspense, this is just a pure suspense film. So if you like, you know, Hitchcock, it's probably a good thing to check out. Or if you like this, go check out Hitchcock. We need to watch Hitchcock. He's now. the master of suspense. God damn it! Now I want to watch a Hitchcock film. You know, the birds came out the same year as this. We gotta watch the birds at some point. Scary. Isn't that? Isn't we have to watch the birds with Ashley? Remember, she's a terrified of birds. <laughs> I forgot about that. I don't think she'll watch it. We told her we'd watch it with her. Oh, my God. Besides, if you like suspense films, I think Haunted Houses. That's the other big one. Yeah. Like if you want to watch, like, it's not specifically Haunted Houses, but if you want to, like, watch an old-school ghost story where it's less about the overt supernatural and more about, like, the subtle, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what this film is. So if that sounds interesting and you like, the psychological elements of that. Give it a watch. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Rating? Five. This movie's <laughs> fucking sick. I like this movie. That I don't know what to say. I've been talking, I've been jerking this movie off the whole time. Look. <laughs> you got an accent there for a second. I did. It was almost like Philly. <laughs> I, ugh. This is, this movie is everything I want. In a classic haunted house tale, the cast of characters is great. They bounce off each other super well. The horror is there, but it's not overt horror, which I freaking love. The coolest part of this film is you don't see a ghost. You don't see anything the entire movie. I like the gray areas it gives you about whether this is Eleanor's freaking out or it's actually a supernatural thing. There are some twists that happen. Some people show up that I did not expect to see, and it's super cool. I think the acting is super good. I think the setup is super cool. I just, this movie, it did some things for me. I really fucking like it. It's so cool. All right. I had to come out swinging. Yeah, you really came out swinging there. Uh, I think I'm a five as well. Nice. I mean, yeah. I think everything Bob said is pretty pretty straight to the point. It's um, it's a simple concept, but it's it's written very, very well. It's well thought out. It's shot super well. We've talked. Oh, we didn't even talk while. about the cinematography. About cinematography. Well, we talked a little bit about the techniques. It's so good. But I mean, the whole thing with that mirror shot we talked about is oh. that's just a hard thing to shoot, and the whole film is like the that. The thing just with the spiral staircase. Very, very pretty. Sound design's pretty good. Very cool. All I actually really like sounds. the music in this movie too. Music's pretty good. Uh, the score. Has some really good brass on it. Actors all do a good job. It's uh, it's overall just really really great, uh, great execution of the concept, and you can really tell that like, because it's such a simple concept that the only reason it turns out so good is because of the amount of effort and love and just how well it's pulled off, and that's exactly. why it's a good film. Uh, the only thing I think that like would put a dampener on this film in general, and this this is not affecting my rating because this is like. A subjective thing is there's some weird stuff because it's so old the most notable one is <laughs> Eleanor has her like internal monologue sometimes and it's a very it's a very stylistic thing that you don't see anymore but like sometimes you'll they'll zoom in on Eleanor and she'll move in such a way that no one else is in focus and then it's just her internal monologue see, I like that and though. I like that I do too because it's a style of the time but it's just something so 
bizarre by modern standards. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff also like a narrator. Yeah, there's stuff like that throughout the film that I don't think bring the film down because it's a part of it's a part of the charm. It's a part of the charm, but it's also a part of the time period. And so that might affect certain people's like enjoyment, but didn't I, affect mine. Made I don't it better. I don't think that affects the rating if no. that makes sense. Like the quality of the film. Oh. Anyways, I, I don't have much more to say. It's a it's a 5. I really liked it. I think it went above and beyond um it what look, it could and then it Near perfect. I mean, damn near. Yeah, nothing's perfect. But nothing's perfect, but damn near perfect. I not think really anything that's struck out to me. It's like, oh, that was horrible. Yeah, exactly. There's no like this movie took the basic concept of a haunted house and just elevated it through the roof. Yeah, like they definitely didn't need some of the really complex character interactions. No, not at all. Like I mentioned, Theo's very obviously a lesbian character, mm-hmm. but it's coded very s- subtly. Yeah. Not for the 60s. For the 60s, it's kind of obvious. Like, it's like, oh. But she's coded in a way that's, like, pretty progressive for the time period. Absolutely. From what I've read, it's like, at the time, it was more common to uh, portray a character like that as very, like, taking advantage of other people. No. And, uh. She's not doing that, though. Like, ooh, let me. Yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, and this one doesn't, really. Yeah. It, it, well written. Uh, there's also some weird drama between Eleanor and um Markway? Markway, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you only forget his name cuz I keep wanting to say McCarthy. <laughs> it's not I don't name. know why. But there's this weird drama between Eleanor and Markway, but it's done in a very subtle like yeah, almost realistic way. Like I didn't catch it at first, and then and then they bring it up and I'm like, "Oh my god, that was happening the whole time." Yeah, stuff like that's great. So yeah, uh, on that note, we're gonna go see the outtakes for real this time. So it's <laughs> gonna cut that. You don't have to bring it back up. <laughs> now I have to leave it in because it's not gonna make sense. <laughs> it's funny. <sighs> All right, uh, we'll be back in a minute. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of The Haunting so far. I really, really, really like this movie. I think it's so freaking cool. But if you do not want any spoilers from the outtake section, please skip to 1 hour, 14 minutes, and 6 seconds immediately. This first clip is Ben and I's reaction to the intro to this movie. Ben, this is magical. Yeah. It's pretty great, right? Yo, what a cool-ass intro! Yeah, look at them special effects right there. That actually looked really cool. Like, surprisingly cool for a movie from 1963. Oh, yeah, you've never seen old films like this. No! I love old films, Bob. I, I don't know if we've ever talked about that. They're, we like, have. basically my favorite. Um, So this will be an interesting experience for you, because I love this shit. I think it's so much fun. Black and white films especially. They're so cool. This next clip is Ben and I reacting to a very funny line delivered by Luke as he's trying to mock the supernatural. Oh, that shadow's so cool. Do you see it on the ceiling? What is that? That's the shadow of the thing they just walked through. It's just a cool shot. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like kookiness. Psychokinesis? Psychokinesis? Can that be the name of the episode? Psychokinesis? <laughs> This next clip is me making a really funny joke and being mad that Ben didn't laugh. 
Good books. You're not gonna laugh, you dumb bitch. Fuck you. You That's don't a good des- fucking joke. You don't deserve a laugh for that. This next clip is mine and Ben's reaction to a super cool special effect they did in this film where one of the wooden doors of the house seems to flex inward almost as if it was made of rubber. Oh. Oh. That's not the way the door's supposed to open. It's not. Which means the door's flexing. Ah, oh, that's cool. Whoa! That's... Whoa! How the fuck did they do that? This is Ben and I's reaction to the scariest part of this entire film. That was a good backwards lean there. That was really good. Don't caress her no, face. No, your wife is somewhere in this house. Wow. We hope. I think. His wife bursts through the door right there and sees this. <laughs> and they fall off the stairs. And die. Come on. <laughs> Come back down the stairs. Mm. That sucks. Oh, my God. Holy shit, that scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> What the hell? This next clip is Ben and I reacting to one of the only deaths in the entire film. Who the fuck was that? Well, she crashed the car. She's not dead, so that's nice. Mm. She's dead. <laughs> oh my god, she's dead. <laughs> I know it's not funny, but you went, she's not dead. That's nice. <laughs> this dumb bitch! Grace got her fucking killed! Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. There are... <laughs> there's some funny ones. I think there's one where... <laughs> we got Bob screaming. Yeah, that hasn't happened in a while. I didn't mention that about this movie, but this movie actually scared me, and that is a plus, because it's old, and I didn't expect to be scared. <laughs> he was like, why was I so scared? Why was I so scared? It was scary. Anyway, do we have any announcements, Benjamin? Nah. Why did I ask? I don't know. <laughs> we do. Well. It's an episode coming out tomorrow. Saturday. Oh, yeah, but they know that. Yeah, convention episode tomorrow. I'm just letting everybody know, because, you know, some people don't pay attention. Okay. If that's our only announcement, then check us out on Twitter. At Beware the Board. It's where I post updates about the show. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that week's worth of episodes, which is basically a tweet with an image in it, and you can click to reveal the image to see a movie cover of the movie you're watching that week so you can watch it before we do so you don't get any spoilers during the episode. I swear it's not anything inappropriate. No, I look, it may look like I'm posting lewd images <laughs> on our Twitter all the time. It's not. It's just movie covers, okay? I promise. Some of, them, some of the movie covers are pretty lewd. The Castle Freak one, but she's in a bra. No nudity. We're good. Uh, on Fridays and on other days that we drop episodes now because we have a bunch of episodes coming out on random ass days. <gasps> I post the link to those episodes when they go live. So if you ever miss an upload or like need a link to an episode, go to our Twitter. It'll be on there. Yeah, I basically Twitter's where everything that we do goes. You know, if you want to listen to us, we're everywhere you get your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other places. Yeah, uh, we're also on YouTube. 
which you know if you want to watch us there for some reason with that being said youtube is kind of nice because it's a good place to support us you know like comment subscribe Mm -hmm. all that stuff and you know the benefit of commenting there is that you can communicate with us it's not as good as like an ouija board in your haunted house trying to commune with spirits i wonder Um, where you were gonna go with that one but if you're banging on the walls of the comment section Ooh, good one we'll hear you eventually hey we got a recommendation in the comment section i want to watch that film too i don't know what it's about but (laughs) it was very confusing (laughs) do you you want to tell that story i mean a little bit so (laughs) you may have noticed on one of our recent episodes there's just a comment from an account that just says the sadness it's my friend brian who listens to our show hi brian i'm talking about you on the show now um and he was like I, I was like, that's weird. Why would Brian just comment the sad? It just said the sadness. There was no, like, I'm recommending you guys this movie called The Sadness. So I saw Brian the next day because we went to a wedding. They went, are you okay? He was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you just commented on one of my YouTube videos saying The Sadness. He went, oh, it's a movie recommendation. I went, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> I was like, I just thought you were sad. But see, we read them. We do. If they're there, we'll read them. Promise. Maybe maybe specify it's a movie recommendation. Yeah, and don't just leave random, weird, <laughs> ominous comments in the comment section, please. All right, I think that's it. Yeah, all right. I guess, uh, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, see you next time.